Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. On my way to the platform, somebody gave me a red towel. Uh, I guess that's to wipe my preacher sweat and then throw it out into the audience <laughs> like a Elvis or Adam Levine. I could do that. Uh, welcome to Western Kentucky University Day. We're in Bowling Green, Kentucky for joining us by audio or video podcast and the local universities, WKU. We love Western Kentucky University. Although some of you here today, um, you're wearing UK garments. It, you couldn't dial it back just one Sunday. I mean, just one day. You, you couldn't not wear the... I think during the altar call, if you got on the UK shirt, you should come up to the altar and take it off right there and leave it right here for, uh, for, for the Lord. Uh, no, welcome, everybody. If you're a Western student, welcome back to, to campus. Welcome back to Bowling Green. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. If, if you don't have a church yet or don't know exactly where you will go or where you'll find family uh, while you're here at college, consider Woodburn Baptist Church. We love you, and we would be delighted to, uh, to get to know you better, get to know you every single Sunday. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, and uh, let's, talk, uh, let's, let's talk to students today. College students these days are different. They're also a whole lot like they were back in my day. I don't know that generations ever change that much, although we always assume that the younger generation is somehow weaker, more deficient than, than we were. I don't know, man, that's just, a, that's just the way grown-ups think. Uh, a recent New York Times food column, though, really blew up the Internet and caused great controversy. The, the article like, is a food column, but it was talking about basically the laziness of millennials, which is kind of a cliche. Everybody says that college students, millennials these days are entitled and lazy and all of those things. But the food column says that literally the sale of breakfast cereal in the United States for the first time since the 50s is declining big time. I mean, breakfast cereal. And they're saying it's because college students don't eat cereal. You know why? The New York Times column insists it's because they're too lazy to pour cereal in a bowl. Now, y'all believe that? It actually caused a lot of controversy. That was the actual study. It said that millennials, college students these days, don't eat cereal for breakfast because that would involve pouring it into a bowl and then washing a bowl. I mean, honestly, that doesn't make any sense. Who washes a bowl anyway? You know, especially in college. Me and my roommate, we just piled them up and we threw bowls out, you know, with, with the... I mean, who washes? But, but that was the article. Too lazy to pour it in a bowl, too lazy to wash a bowl, so therefore millennials aren't buying cereal. From there, the, the debate began to rage. People started piling on, some to, to, to continue to talk about millennials and how lazy they are. Others began to defend millennials and then began to present alternative studies. So you know what the actual truth is? It's much more complicated. It's not that millennials are lazy. The actual uh, research seems to show that it's not that college students are lazier than their parents or their grandparents. It's that these days, college students are too busy to sit down and eat. Let that sink in. They're too busy to sit down and eat. So for that matter, it's not so much that they're skipping Fruit Loops. They love Fruit Loops. It's just that they need to grab something and go. So the difference is not so much in people. It's not that young people are lazier than, than their parents. It's just that they're busier. And also, here, here's the kicker, I think this is hilarious. Millennials these days don't think that cereal is what you eat at breakfast. It's a snack you eat all day long. Man, I was born in the wrong generation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could tear into some cinnamon toast crunch right now. And, and, and that's the thing. And, and, and that's what... 
seems to be revealed in nearly everything we look at these days. Truth is complicated. Truth is very, very complicated, but in our day and age, people are not quite willing to invest the, uh, the, the thought, the, the work at thinking that it takes to get to what the real truth is. So, so while some people want to talk about lazy-bodied people and how lazy-bodied young people are taking over the world one day, I'm telling you, I'm less concerned with lazy bodies than I am lazy brains. And the world is filled of lazy brains, your generation and mine, lazy-brained people. And the Bible actually has quite a lot to say about lazy-brained people. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 22. Let's start right there and let's dig in. This is Jesus speaking here to an expert in the law. So let's see what the Word of God says. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your, say it, mind. Recently, my wife Casey and I had the opportunity to once in a lifetime uh, opportunity to travel we cruise the mediterranean it was amazing we would get off the boat uh, every single day and be in a brand new place i mean the most amazing cities and countrysides in all the world are in the mediterranean and it was a glorious absolutely glorious trip um several times when we were on land we would pay the little extra money to take one of those bus tours it's, it's a guided city tour you would get on the bus it's a sightseeing thing you get on the bus and the guide would usually be a local person who would be on a microphone and as you drive through the city or through the countryside they would say if you look out on the left you'll see the Colosseum if you look out on the right you know you, you'll, you'll see the port and on and on it goes I mean that, that's the whole thing you're paying the money for the guide to tell you where the good stuff is and how to see it and the the, the bus is just a way to get uh, around and cover some territory so for us it was a glorious way to see the sights and we did that several times but Here's the thing, and, and this is baffling to me, and it wasn't just on one bus or two buses. It seemed like on every single one of those sightseeing buses we got on, there was a particular kind of person, but never just like one of them. There were several of them all on the bus, and this is the person who would get on the sightseeing bus and immediately close their curtains. Close their curtains. You've paid money to be on the bus with a guide who can say, if you look out the left, you understand? But the first thing to do is close their curtains. And understand, they know what they're doing. They don't want to see. They don't want to look. They don't want the sun to shine in on them. So they close the curtains. Now, the irritating thing about that is if they close their curtains where they can't see, I can't see either. They close the curtains for everybody. And I'm telling you, on every single bus, there were people who would just close the curtains. I don't understand it. I mean, what part of sightseeing do you not understand? 
Why would you get on a bus to look out the window and instantly close a curtain? I don't understand that. But it probably is a pretty good analogy for you and and all the people you know as you now move into campus and start a brand new semester. I'm telling you, in a lot of ways, college, in a lot of ways, school is like one of those sightseeing tours where you have experienced guides who were there to help make sure you don't miss the good stuff. So here's the thing. It's going to be a glorious ride for you as long as you don't close the curtains. I would go so far as to say in college, if you intend to close the curtains of your mind, you're probably on the wrong bus. You must learn how to open the curtains of your mind. You have to learn how to see. You have to learn how to discover. You've got to be just a little more curious about the things you've never seen and a little more willing just to open up your eyes, open up your mind. You understand, this is what Jesus is talking about, at least in part, when he says you must love the Lord your God with all your mind. Now, in church life, in Baptist life, I don't know if we talk about this enough. As a matter of fact, we make it pretty easy to come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and be very, very lazy-brained. I'm not talking about being smart. There are varying levels of giftedness when it comes to intellect in this world. And just look down your pew. you got all kinds of intellect up and down your... I mean, that's just how it works. I'm not talking about who's smarter than a sixth grader. We're not talking about that at all. It's one thing to be smart. It's another thing to be lazy-brained. We're not talking about a person who, 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 who doesn't have the capacity to think. We're talking about the people who just won't put in the effort to think. But right here in the Word of God, Jesus himself says, as a part of the greatest commandment you could possibly know, you have to learn how to love the Lord your God with all your mind. Now, interestingly, th- this whole dialogue comes about because somebody asked Jesus a question. Now, questions are often a sign of wanting to know something or wanting to learn something, wanting to, to discover something that you never heard or, 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 or never known. But that's not what's happening here. If you read closely, it's pretty obvious that the people asking Jesus questions, they're not asking him questions because there's something they want to know. They call him teacher, but they are not interested in learning anything from Jesus. That's just not how they roll. They're only asking Jesus questions because they want to make him look silly in public if they can. And at the same time, they like to make themselves look better. It's not about learning. It's not about getting to the truth. This is about something else. They just want to make themselves look good in public and make Jesus somehow look poor. Understand? So the question that he asks is absolutely the right question. It's a good question. But the man's not going to benefit anything from hearing the answer because, as I said, he's not interested. He's asking questions, but he is not curious. He's asking questions, but it's not because he really wants to know. It has nothing to do with that. So even though he asked the right question, he's never, ever going to benefit from the answer. And it's Jesus giving the answer. And Jesus answers. He answers. The question is, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? What's what's the greatest law? And Jesus says, "I'll, I'll tell you. The greatest commandment is that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, 
in all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. As you start this new semester in college, what does this mean for you? Now, I want to speak specifically to students, but not, not only to students. Understand, this is a word that applies to every single one of us. The, the education that, that began the day you were born should not end until the day you die. You should always be learning and growing because it's very important to love the Lord your God with all your mind. So, so what exactly does it mean? I'd say it first off in this way. It means that we have to pursue truth. We have to pursue truth. If we're going to love God with our minds, if we're going to devote our minds to knowing God, if we're going to devote our minds in, in any way to pleasing and honoring the Lord, then the occupation of our minds should be the pursuit of truth, real truth. I'm not just talking about, you know, truth in the sense of whether or not, you know, does Kim Kardashian really color her hair or is it naturally that? You know, I'm not talking about truth like that. This is trivia. First off, you should know the difference between truth and, and trivia. And, and often, really, what we're pursuing is, is, is trivia. We're more interested in, in, in the latest article from BuzzFeed than we are any sort of actual source for truth, ultimate truth, the kind of truth that sets a person free. But if you're going to love the Lord your God with your mind, you must begin this pursuit of truth. Proverbs chapter 23, 23 says this. It's a very simple verse. Buy the truth and never sell it. Hebrew, Hebrew language is how the Proverbs were originally written, and it only had four words. It says, buy truth, don't sell. Buy the truth and never sell it. Now, first off, this proverb is speaking our language. In our culture, everything is for sale, and we love to buy stuff. We absolutely love to shop. We love to buy things. I mean, wherever you go now, there's a gift shop at the exit. I mean, everywhere you go, restaurants have a gift shop because they know that spending $50 on dinner is just not enough for us. We got to have a t-shirt. You, you understand? I mean, we just shop. We spend. So, so on the one hand, the ancient scripture is speaking our language. Buy the, the truth and never sell it. Well, what does this say? Buy truth. Seem to be a lot of people selling truth these days. I mean, truth or something like it. I mean, there's a lot of ideas out there on the marketplace. And, and if you pay attention in school, you're about to be exposed to a whole lot of people who speak as if they know what they're talking about. They're going to test you on things as if it's always the truth. But, but the point is, as a believer, as a person who is interested in devoting your mind to the love of the Lord, you have to be very concerned with what the actual truth is. And that means you have to always be thinking. If you let other people do your thinking for you, then you're about to let dumb people tell you how to think. You're about to let people who have no regard for the truth fill your mind with lies. And I don't care who you are, I'm, I'm speaking to you. You have to do your own thinking. The love of the Lord requires that you think. And that you think for yourself and that you give to the Lord your very best thoughts. Buy the truth, whatever it costs, you buy truth. Now, in our culture, as I said, truth is actually pretty cheap. It's not necessarily valued high in any market. These days, you watch the news, and you can't even trust the news. 
People who you would expect to tell you the truth, you don't know if they're going to tell you something different the next day. It's a frightening sort of world we live in when you really don't know what a source of truth would even look like or sound like. But that's why Scripture calls us, no matter what it costs, you buy the truth. You run to the truth. You make the pursuit of truth the the very focus of your life because you're loving God with your mind here. Buy the truth, whatever it costs, and don't sell it whatever the price. You you don't give it up. You you don't exchange truth. Man, I don't know about you guys. Back in my day at Western, we ate at, uh, we called it Duck, the university center. Or there was actually a cafeteria up at, what was it, other place, Garrett? Yeah. Wow, y'all. I mean, y'all don't know. You guys are living pretty good these days. But back in our days, if you went to Garrett and ate lunch, I mean, you would, you know, you'd be the rest of the afternoon, you know, in the bathroom. I mean, fried, you know, I mean, you know just going through you. I mean, you know, I like fried, awful food. But man, this is, you got fresh food companies. Is that what it's called? It's like a buffet that goes on and on and on. I got people making pizzas all day long for you and omelets and breakfast, man. They got a soft serve machine, a soft serve machine, and you can have all that you want. Now, they put those little bitty bowls out there, but y'all are smart college students. You go get a plate. I mean, I do. You just go get a plate and just, I mean, soft serve. And you can go back through the whole salad bar and add to your soft serve. I mean, this is an amazing place. Fresh food. I mean, I, mean, I, lo- I love that. I think you're lucky, you're luckier than you know to get to eat there every day. The thing about fresh food, though, is you have all of these choices. So if you're like me, like before I settle on like the salad, because salad's good, but what do they got over there? You know, like I have to circle the whole place. Because I don't want to, you know, put something on my plate. Now I find out, oh, no, they got tater tots. You know, I might put something on my plate and then find out later that they had something else, something better. Because there are all of these choices. And then if all else fails, there's a whole wall of cereal. Like every kind of cereal that God ever made is lined up in, in these clear canisters. And again, all you can eat. I mean, it's amazing. So watch people in fresh food. Watch people at any food buffet these days. We love buffets because we love choice. So we get plates and we just pile up plates and plates of food and we get very, very choosy. Sometimes we add, we put things on the plate that we don't even know if we want, but we might want them, but we just don't want to come back for it. Just pick and choose and pick and choose. In the end, we throw so much into the garbage. Well, honestly, the buying and selling of truth, it doesn't work that way. Truth is truth whether you have an appetite for it or not. And truth is truth whether or not it appeals to you or not. People want to approach the pursuit of truth, the loving God with their minds, as as if you could just sort of pick and choose what you like. As if you can accept the parts of God's truth that flatter you, that that sound good to you, that appeal to the way you want to live your life already and and reject the rest, throw it into the garbage. And that's not how it works. Truth is truth. And all truth is God's truth. And either you're going to pursue God's truth and love with your whole mind or or you're just going to fill your mind with something else. But, But please understand... Your job, your duty, your spiritual requirement is to pursue the truth, to love the truth. That means, secondly, you have to surrender your thoughts to Christ. 
Now, I know, I know some of you are now in college and you're away from home for the first time. Some of you were raised in church. You ever hear anybody in church say they, they have a drug problem? Some of you have had a drug problem your whole life. You've been drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. You've been drugged to Sunday school. You know, you've been drugged to church your entire life. And now, actually, college feels like a chance where you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to go to church because nobody's making you go to church. And I'm telling you, it's very, very important how you live your life. The choices you make about behavior are, are, are critical. But understand something. Your life in Christ, the transformation that happens when you belong to Christ, it begins in your thoughts. It, it begins in your attitudes. It, it begins in the person you are on the inside. In other words, there are lots and lots of people who always come to church who aren't becoming anything like Christ because of it. Because you don't become like Christ just because you go to church. It begins with your thoughts. Let me take you to a, a word of scripture. This is from the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to what the word of God says. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned, uh, say the word, truth, you've learned the truth that comes from Christ, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new nature created to be like god truly righteous and holy this isn't a sub theme of the gospel this isn't some small matter that you find in a few verses this is throughout the new testament i mean the book of romans it says that you have to let god transform you by, by allowing him to renew your mind in christ jesus over and over we are told to have the mind of christ your spiritual life depends upon your willingness to let christ be lord over your thoughts and attitudes you have to surrender your thoughts to christ now personally i find this difficult it's much much easier for me to appear righteous and holy because I can monitor my own behavior. Being raised Baptist, I was taught to monitor behavior. I was taught to come into church, and in the old days, we had a, a, an offering envelope with check boxes on the front, and you could check, brought Bible, check. Went to Sunday school, check. You know, attended church, check. You know, I could check off those boxes, and if you checked off all your boxes, you felt like a pretty good Christian. As long as, again, my growing up, as long as you didn't, you didn't smoke, drink, or chew, or go out with girls that do, you were considered a, a very, very fine Christian young person. So actually, as a grown man now, I am very, very good at monitoring my behavior. I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. I'm at church every Sunday. I bring my Bible, y'all. I got, I got. 20 Bibles back there, Mom. I mean, I got Bibles if it's Bibles you want to see. But, but that's not where Jesus puts the emphasis. It's not where Christ ever put the emphasis. It's not so much about the person you're on the outside because you can fake that. And in college, some of you will learn very, very quickly that there are a whole lot of fake people, a whole lot of people who are not who you think they are. But this is why, honestly, you put on your new nature, created to be like God. You are created to become like your creator. 
And this happens when you allow the Spirit to renew your thoughts and attitudes. You have to surrender your inner person, your mental life to Christ. This is how you grow. This is how he changes you. I would go so far as to say it this simply. If you're not thinking like Christ, you're not becoming like Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Interestingly, that, that, that commandment is about love. That's the first word. Jesus says love. So, so the commandment is about love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It's about love. Now, that's important because those of us who have intellectual ability, those of us who are 4.0, you know, Gatton Academy kind of champions, uh, we sort of feel, you know, you're, you're just thinking, yeah, Pastor Tim, tell them. Tell all those dumb people to think. Yeah, tell all those crazy hillbillies they need to pay attention. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I get it. But understand, what Jesus is saying here is the commandment to, to, to love. It's about allowing him to, to not just give you his mind, but to give you his heart. Love the Lord your God with, 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 with all your mind. It's a commandment to love. So it's not so much that, that God is asking us all to become these giant nerds. It's not that God is, is asking us all to go out and be 4.0 students. Some of you can do that, and to glorify God, you ought to be doing it. it, it it's, it's awful if you're not performing to your ability. If, if you have the gifts and if God has put you together in such a way where you can do very, very well in school, it is inexcusable that you shut the curtains of your mind and you sleep through this thing. It's inexcusable. Too many people have sacrificed to bring you where you are. And besides that, you are called to love the Lord your God with all your mind. You can't sleep through this. It is inexcusable to stay up all night long, come into class the next day, and flunk the test just because you don't know how to hang up your phone. It's inexcusable. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. You're loving God. We're not talking about winning the academic team. We're not talking about that. We're talking about learning to love the Lord your God. Talk about learning to think passionately. Think passionately. You see, those things don't even go together for some of you because you think of thinking as, you know, thinking. Without passion, without emotion, just thinking. And then passionate people just don't think. We're just out there being passionate. But, but, but no, Jesus puts these things together. You need to learn to love with your whole mind. Do you understand? Think passionately. The problem with a lot of good Christian young people when they go to college is that they feel like if they're not a religion major, then therefore somehow their academic life is separated from their spiritual life. I mean, you would understand loving God with your mind, loving God with your studies if you're a New Testament major, if you're a religious studies major, but what if your major is world history? What if your major is calculus? Lord, help you. I mean, what in the world do you do if God hasn't called you to be a pastor, a missionary? What if you're not a religious studies major? How do you go to college? How do you love God with your mind if your mind has got to be occupied with math problems day after day after day? Don't you understand? All truth is God's truth. 
Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, Jesus is truth. All truth points to Jesus. All truth is God's truth. Whether it is the silent witness of a four billion year old fossil that helps us understand the mysteries of creation or whether or not it is the elegance of a math problem brought to solution. I'm telling you, if it's true, it's God's truth. And you can learn to find him in these places. You're a world history major? Then every single day when you read world history, every time you sit down in class, you're going to pay attention to God's ways with the world. It's always his story. Do you not understand this? It's the story of how God has been working throughout the ages, always trying to bring people to himself that we might be like him. If you're studying world history, then you need to learn to look for Jesus in that and pay attention to his ways with the world. You're in science class. Don't you understand? God needs thinkers on fire in science class. You don't give science over to non-believers. You need to go in there and orient yourself as a believing scientist. Every time you're studying science, you're thinking God's thoughts after him. Don't you understand that? The mysteries of creation, what's out past the edges of the universe It's wonderful to explore and discover those things. God wants us to discover those things. Don't be afraid of science. The scripture says that that, that the rocks and the hills praise him, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So if there's a four billion year old fossil on the earth, you don't have to be afraid of that. It's the Lord's and it brings him glory. Science, engineering, you're thinking God's thoughts after him. Art majors, yeah. I was a painting major, y'all, nerd alert. I mean, I was a painting major. Casey fell in love with me, y'all. Chicks dig painters. I'd be on the top floor of the Ivan, you know, Ivan Wilson Fine Art Center, the painting studio. Y'all ever look in those windows and, and, and see those geeks at work, y'all? I was one of those geeks. I'd be set up, I'd do paintings as big as a house, be painting, and Casey would drive by and look at me, you know, because I I reckon when I paint, my muscles would ripple, you know, (laughs) boom, boom, yeah, yeah, painting major, Casey was a nursing major, our paths never crossed ever on campus, but, but our hearts found each other, absolutely. Your painting major, art major, dance, music, theater. Do you understand? All beauty is God's beauty. He's the only source of beauty. So as you learn to paint and draw, don't you understand? You're, you're thinking God's thoughts after him. As you learn to, 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 to let God's grace move your body, don't you understand? That's glorifying to him. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. As you learn to tell stories in theater and drama, I'm telling you, if the stories are true, it's God's truth. You just do it to the very best of your ability because when you do that, you're honoring him. You're honoring him. Celebrate. Celebrate the very mysteries of God when you're doing calculus and chemistry. It's amazing. And all of that amazement points back to a creator whose thoughts are not your thoughts, whose ways are not your ways. Discover his heart for justice as you study law. Discover his giant heart of compassion as you study nursing or or medicine or social work. You understand what I'm saying? It's all God's truth, and it's all God's world. 
And everything you can learn and know and discover, it's from him. And he wants you to engage your mind this way. Please, please, please don't think that you're engaging your mind in glorifying ways as you sit by the television and watch the third season of New Girl for the fifth time. Please don't think that just because you can watch the game show channel day after day after day that that's the best way to engage your thoughts. You owe to God your highest thoughts. You owe to Him your best thinking. And as a matter of fact, your spiritual life depends upon it. What the Lord requires is that you devote your mind to loving Him. You devote your mind to loving him. All your heart, of course, all of your soul, certainly. But you have to surrender your mind to him. If you are beginning college, understand you're blessed. You're blessed. I know it's almost a cliche to tell you this sort of thing, but there are people around the world who would give a kidney out of their body, literally to have the blessing of education that you have, to have the opportunity to read the books that you're about to read, to have the opportunity to learn from wise people. Don't you understand? This is a luxury. It's a gift from God. It could be the ride of your life, a glorious ride, but you've got to keep the curtains open. You have to keep your mind open. When Paul talks about, in the book of Ephesians, how the Holy Spirit renews our minds, he says the problem with us apart from Christ is that we have hard hearts and darkened minds. You have to surrender that hard heart and that darkened mind and let the Spirit of Jesus Christ soften that heart and open that mind. One day they asked Jesus a question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said the greatest is something like this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Did you hear that? Love him with your mind. Pray with me. Lord God, we confess that we don't often even consider the fact that that three and a half pounds of brain matter in our heads is somehow supposed to be used for you. God, thinking is actually a pretty easy thing to do. We think all the time. We can't even turn it off, Lord. Even in this moment of prayer and preaching, some of us, our minds have been elsewhere, just racing around the world thinking of things. Our brains just think, Lord. They're thinking machines. And while it's an easy thing to think, Lord, it's a very, very difficult thing to control our thoughts, to, to surrender our thoughts. For some of us, Lord, our darkest, most secret sins are thought sins. Lord, for some of us, the reason we're not becoming like Christ is because we don't think like Christ, and we don't think like you, Christ, because we've not yet let you be Lord, master of our thoughts. But God, help us. Change us. 
Help us to have your mind, Lord, Lord Jesus. Help us to think your thoughts, to, to, to think the things that you think, that we might feel the things that you feel and do the things that you do, Lord. But help us to remember that it all starts with our thoughts. Lord, those of us who are blessed at this season of life to be students, Lord, I pray that we don't take that gift for granted. Help us, Lord, to learn and devote ourselves to learning, understanding that as our minds grow, Lord, that brings glory to you. Remembering, Lord, that as we learn to think, Lord, we, we, we continue to sharpen the tools, Lord, that we need so that we can be more useful in your kingdom, Lord. Your kingdom needs thinkers on fire for you. So help us, Lord, to think and not let others do our thinking and not simply let our minds run wild, Lord. Help us, Lord, to train, discipline, and surrender our thoughts to you, O Christ. Lord, for those of us who are beginning this new semester, Lord, I pray for students. I pray for their success in studies, Lord. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that they continue to have hearts that are more and more like your heart every day. I do pray, Lord, that their actions begin to reflect more and more in the world the way, Lord, oh Christ, that, that you would act, Lord. But for all that to take place, Lord, I, I pray for surrendered and willing minds in our church, in our schools, Lord, our families. Help us, Lord, to love you with all our minds. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.